Welcome into episode two of Locked On Blackhawks, your daily Blackhawks podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Jay Zawoski. Thank you so much for joining me on this here second show. Feels like I've been doing this a long time. Are you sick of my voice yet? You will be. Eventually you will be. I promise you that. Don't forget to subscribe, to rate, to review. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Spotify. We are on Google Play. Anywhere you find your podcast, you will find Lockdown Blackhawks and the Lockdown Podcast Network. Make sure you tell a friend, too. If you've got a friend that loves hockey, let them know. We need the support. We need to build the audience. And the best way to do that is word of mouth through great hockey fans and Blackhawks fans like you. Now for the news of Monday. The Blackhawks waived defenseman Carl Dahlstrom, Anton Vadin, and Dennis Gilbert get sent down to Rockford. And there are some interesting names on the waiver wire today from some other teams around the league. We will also continue our Central Division previews with Andrew Patterson of TSN 1290 in Winnipeg. We'll talk about the Winnipeg Jets and Dustin Bufflin and Patrick Laine and Kyle Connor and all the great things going on in Winnipeg this season and what is going to be a very competitive Central Division. Almost every team in the division you can make an argument for. Not all, almost all. So we'll get into the Winnipeg Jets today as well. So let's start with Carl Dahlstrom. Again, waived on Monday. If he clears, he'll be sent down to Rockford to start the season. And uh, now we're starting to see this defensive roster really take shape. There was a time on Monday where we felt like, wow, Dennis Gilbert made the team. He was impressive. We know he impressed Duncan Keith in the game in Berlin. Duncan Keith commented and raved about his play, how he was a physical guy, a stay-at-home guy, and every team needs that. I was ready to record this podcast, singing the praises of Dennis Gilbert and saying how, wow, it's a miracle this guy made the team kind of coming out of nowhere. Then he was sent to Rockford. It doesn't mean he won't be back. But Dennis Gilbert down to Rockford, Carl Dahlstrom, if he clears waivers, will go down to Rockford, and forward Anton Vadin down to Rockford. So now as we start to look at the roster, the way it shakes out, it's starting to really take shape. We see how things are going, where the Blackhawks are looking as far as guys who are going to play. And we talked a lot about Alex Nylander leading up to this year, leading up to the regular season, and if he was going to be a regular contributor. And some of these depth sort of periphery guys were guys you thought maybe could be in the way. And now that you look at it, this this forward roster is pretty set. You've got Kajula in, Carpenter in, DeBrinkett in, Kampf in, Kane in, Kubelik is in, Nylander appears to be in, Perlini, Brandon Saad, Andrew Shaw, Zach Smith, Dylan Strom, Jonathan Taves. So I guess the last shoe to drop here would be Kirby Doc, and it uh, looks like he's going to be part of the team for a while. So I don't know. How do you feel, Blackhawks fans? Hit me up, LockedOnBlackhawks at gmail.com. Feel free to tweet at me or hit me up on Twitter at LO underscore Blackhawks. Interested to see how you guys feel about the way the roster is shaking out so far this season. I, You know, Dahlstrom, a bit of a risk to send down. I'm not going to say I'm upset about it. I'm not going to say I don't understand it, but it's a pretty good player who built himself a nice little body of work last season came in when things were looking very dire defensively and found a nice partnership early on with Connor Murphy. I think as the season went on, you saw Dahlstrom regress a little bit. Not sure why that happened. Could be the grind of a long season. Could be other teams started figuring out his weaknesses. Could be that, look, the initial shock of, oh my God, I'm in the NHL, just hold on for dear life. Maybe that sort of cleared up a little bit and he started to get 
sloppy a little bit, which is natural. It's not a criticism, but if you're a, if you're a kid who just got called up and you want to stay, you're making sure every second you're doing the right thing. I think that any athlete has letdowns from time to time, and if a guy like Dahlstrom with his skill set lets down, it's going to show up and it's going to hurt the game a little bit. So, uh, like what I saw from him, he's a nice guy to have in the organization. I do feel like if you're going to wave. Dahlstrom, or you're going to lay, wave Slater Cuckoo, there's a better chance that Cuckoo would get claimed with the first-round pedigree he has and with uh, you know the skill set he has. I think he's kind of more of an attractive option for teams looking to pick up, uh, if they're looking to pick up a player on waivers uh, this soon before the season. So I think the Hawks probably look at it the same way. I would think they're probably about even on their feelings on both those players, but the Hawks did give up an asset to get Slater Cuckoo last year, uh, and he does seem to be a more attractive option, so probably a safer bet to try to squeeze Dahlstrom through waivers and hope he can clear. Monday was a very busy day on the waiver wire, so maybe this is the ideal situation for Dahlstrom to slide through. We're going to find out later Tuesday today uh, what is Dahlstrom's fate, if he'll end up in Rockford or on another team, but uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be very interesting, and I, I like the way... The roster's shaking out. Um, I think the guys who have proven they deserve to be here are still here. That's Dominic Kubalik. I think Whedon played well, but probably not well enough to earn a spot away from the Perlinis of the world, uh, Drake Kajula's of the world, who's a very versatile player. Um, so I'm sure Vadin will be back. I'll bet he'd be probably the top forward call-up. If it's a bottom six guy that gets hurt, if it's a top six guy, probably Alexei Sorella would be the first option to call up. But... Um, Look, makes a lot of sense what the Hawks are doing here in the preseason. You're starting to see the philosophy of the roster, and uh, so far I like what I see. Can't really complain about it at all. I mentioned some other players on waivers around the league, and I want to get to that as well. Two names have really stood out to Blackhawks fans watching the waiver wire on Twitter the first name is Josh Hosang, a young kid who came into the league with some controversy. He had a bit of a, I'm not going to say this. I don't think he has an attitude problem, but people around the league seem to think he does. Now, remember, the NHL is very old school. People have a problem with P.K. Subban being front-facing and enthusiastic and media savvy. That's sort of frowned upon in hockey for some reason. So I don't want to say Josh Hosang has a bad attitude, but that's sort of been the knock on him as he was drafted, as he was coming up, as he's been developing. The other name is Sven Verci from Vancouver. And as stacked as the Blackhawks' offensive system is, adding a guy like Verci would be helpful. <laughs> you know, it's a guy who's proven he can score on this level uh, over several years. He was the 13th overall pick in 2011 by Calgary. And while his numbers aren't spectacular, he scored last season. He only played 26 games. He had 14 points in 26 games. The year before, 53 games with the Canucks, 29 points. The two years prior, he had 18 goals and 15 goals. He's a guy who can add some scoring depth at the NHL level, and he could probably be had for cheap. Uh, a left winger, I'm not sure how much space the Hawks are willing to give up. I know they want Alex Nylander to play. That's why he's on the team now. You've got Dominic Kubalik. You've signed Anton Vadin in the offseason. 
He's been decent as an option as well. You still have Drake Ajula. You still have Brendan Perlini. There's a lot of spots taken on this roster, and it's hard to find a window for Bearshi or Joshua Hosang to really join and contribute unless they're going to be plugged in right away. And then even if that's the case, you're probably going to have to make a move to free up a spot. Because, again, Kajula, Perlini, Kubalik, those are three guys, at least with Perlini and Kajula, that have proven to be NHL talent. Kubalik, it remains to be seen, but everything we've seen from him in the preseason this year has shown and has told me that he's going to be an NHL contributor. The numbers I told you for Bershi, probably similar to what you'd see from Kubalik if he maxes out. Right, like in the 40s or 50s in points, close to 20 goals. I think maybe the ceiling could be a little bit higher for him even. So who do you move? That's really the question. And Joshua Hosang has played 53 games in the NHL. Again, he was a first-round pick in the 2014 draft uh, by the New York Islanders. In his 53 games, seven goals, 17 assists. So decent numbers for a limited time, about half a point per game. I don't know. You can never have too much talent on your roster, but you can't have too many people, if that makes sense. And I don't know how these guys get added in without a roster move being made. Look, maybe Stan Bowman says, whatever. We think Bershi or Josh Hosang makes our team better, so we're going to go in and, and claim them off waivers, see what happens, and we'll deal with it from there. Maybe you could trade Brendan Perlini. That's a guy who I've said on the Madhouse podcast all summer, the Blackhawks had been trying to move. And when they couldn't, they settled on a one-year deal for under a million dollars. It makes sense for both sides, considering what Brendan Perlini has done in his career in the past and what he showed late last year for the Blackhawks. It makes sense to sign a guy to a deal like that, even if you're not totally in love with his game. But if Bershi or Hosang are on the Hawks' radar, and maybe they might not even be. They might not even be, but it's worth talking about. Another guy, by the way, on waivers who I have always felt at some point in his career, would be a Blackhawk, Sam Gagne. <laughs> Sam Gagne's on waivers, and I, it's just it's been so long that he's been rumored to come to the Hawks. It seems like every year, every two years, that name is popping up, and it, it's really amazing. And now there's a shot for the Hawks to just sort of take him. That would it would surprise me, but. It's one of those, I I talk about this all the time. There's always those guys who you see throughout your sports fan career. You're like, someday that guy's going to be on my team. For Cubs fans, it was Brian Roberts. When I was a kid, eh, not a kid, a teenager, Shane Corson from the Montreal Canadiens, I was always convinced was going to be a Blackhawk. He never was. And the other guy, Brett Hull. And he almost was a Blackhawk, but never was. Sam Gagne is another one who falls into that category. A couple other guys on waivers of note. Former Blackhawk goalie Anton Forsberg, uh, he was in the Calvin DeHaan trade. He is now on waivers from Carolina. Marco Dano, who the Blackhawks got back in the initial Brandon Saad trade, he came back with Artem Anisimov in that deal. He's on waivers. Thomas Hickey of the Islanders on waivers. Uh, we mentioned Stephen Bershey. Former Blackhawk Brandon Manning is on waivers. That's another guy who um, was used to be a Blackhawk and is now on waivers. You know, for all the things we get upset with Stan Bowman for, he has done a good job of of identifying guys who 
how do I put this? Guys he liked and then scouted and then said, mm, you know what? Maybe not. And and gets rid of them quickly. Um, but yeah, Gustav, oh, Gustav Forbes, like another one. He was traded for Calvin DeHaan. And now he's on waivers. So a lot of former Blackhawks on waivers, a lot of guys who, especially with Forsling and Dano, a lot of us thought was going to be big-time contributors for years to come. And I think Bowman did a good job identifying at least Dano very quickly as a guy that probably wouldn't work out uh, for the Blackhawks. And, and he's right. That's a guy who's never been able to put it together at the NHL level despite having all the skills you'd want a player to have. Marco Dano has just never really been able to to do it and put it together at the NHL level. So I think we got to give Stan Bowman a little bit of credit here for identifying the right players, for making some of the right moves, and getting rid of guys when he had to before it was too late. Now, we can go back in history and talk about the David Runblads of the world and the terrible contracts like Brian Bickle and Brent Seabrook, who I will pawn off, try to pawn off on our next guest coming up in the next segment. Um, yeah, he's made his fair share of mistakes. Every GM has, but look, when it's time to give Stan Bowman some credit, it's time. He got Drake Kajula for Brandon Manning, who's on waivers. He was able to trade Gustav Forsling and Anton Forsberg for Calvin DeHaan. That's obviously a win. And don't forget, Alexei Sorella is in that deal too. And that's a guy who impressed in the preseason as well and very much could have made the team in a different circumstance. So Bowman's, you know... It's been better lately. I'll say that. It's been better lately. He's he's sort of corrected some of the really bad mistakes he made a couple years ago. But again, that one, the Brent Seabrook deal, that's just going to live and haunt him forever. I don't know how they're ever gonna get, going to get out of it, but they've got to find a way because, look, even if he breaks even this year and they play him as a third pair once everybody's healthy, fine. But that's a deal that they are going to regret for a long time. I'm Jay Zawoski. This is Locked On Blackhawks on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Our tour of the Central Division continues with Andrew Patterson of TSN 1290 in Winnipeg. He is the host of Afternoon Ride and the warm-up before every Jets game. Follow him on Twitter at Hustlerama. Andrew, thanks for joining us on Locked On Blackhawks. How are you today? Jay, I'm great. Uh, good time to get together. We got the puck dropping in a couple of days, and of course, uh, a, a wild off season for the Winnipeg Jets that uh, just came together with the recent signings of uh, Kyle Connor and Patrick Laine, alleviating the worst fears of uh, most Winnipeg Jets fans. Well, we're definitely going to get to that. But as a Blackhawks podcast, I'm sure the first thing on our listeners' minds is Dustin Bufflin. He has been suspended by the team. He is sort of weighing his options whether or not he wants to play. What more can you tell us about that situation? I know his cap hit is off the books until he returns. Has the possibility of Bufflin returning gone away, or is there a chance he comes back? And what is going on with Big Buff? Well, um, that actually is the worst fear of Winnipeg Jet fans, to be perfectly honest with you. A lack of Dustin Bufflin on the blue line, particularly with all the losses on defense this season. Um Basically, it comes down to this. Uh, Dustin Bufflin came in right before camp started and uh, essentially told the Winnipeg Jets he didn't know if uh, he wanted to do this anymore. And 
knowing how important he is to the hockey club, um, I think they told him, look, you need to take as much time as you need. We want you. We need you. Uh, this, is, this is your home. Um, not to mention that you'll be leaving $7 million on the table the next couple of seasons. And that's sort of where it is right now. I mean, it started a crazy. I mean, the big insiders now in hockey are uh, people with Instagram that, you know, see Buff out and about in town. I mean, he's here. His kids are in school. Um, I know I just saw he was out at a fishing tournament on the weekend doing what he's doing. So, uh, to be honest with you, from my perspective, I don't anticipate Dustin Bufflin back anytime soon. I'm not aware uh, if he's even close to being in game shape to play in the National Hockey League. And there's major questions as to whether he wants to continue to do it. So that is the massive question around this hockey club. It's something that I don't believe will be answered anytime soon. And frankly, Jay, if it is answered soon, I think it'll be something that Winnipeg Jet fans and frankly hockey fans don't want to hear um, that Dustin might be, Dustin Bufflin might be finished with his career. So uh, it's a big waiting game right now. And, uh, yeah, there is a lot of concern that we might have seen the last of Big Buff, which would be a real tragedy because, I mean, whether you're a Jet fan or not, he is without a doubt one of the most unique and entertaining players in hockey, and uh, it would really stink if he wasn't around. Well, and the timing of this has to be extra terrible because – Look, people were talking about the Jets' window closing before this happened. You lost so many players. Tyler Myers goes to Vancouver. Jacob Truba goes to the Rangers. Brandon Tanev to Pittsburgh. Ben Sherratt to Montreal. So many other Jets players left already. And now you have to deal with a blue line without Dustin Bufflin. Do you believe the Jets' window is closed here? Can they compete for a Stanley Cup this year when it looked like two, three years ago they were going to be a team that would compete for the next five to seven years? Yeah, you know what? I mean, hard to say that it's closed when you have the amount of talents that Winnipeg Jets do up front, but there's absolutely no question that the losses on the blue line are a major concern going into this season. Now, Josh Morrissey has signed an eight-year extension. That was one of the bits of great news for the hockey club in the offseason, so he's there and he'll be their, uh, their top guy, but... I mean, Jay, to be honest, I mean, the month leading up to the season, talking Jets on the afternoon ride here in TSN 1290 in Winnipeg, um, I, I kind of came to the conclusion that the number one factor for success of the Winnipeg Jets this year was going to be the health and durability of Dustin Bufflin, who missed half the season last year. The fact that he is out, if anything, it might give the organization an opportunity if they do know that he's not coming back with $7.6 million freed up on the cap to go and address that problem. Um, but there is no doubt that, you know, there were some major losses on the blue line before the Bufflin situation came up. And, um, yeah, to your point, the timing could not have been worse, especially considering that they were in the middle of trying to sign Connor and Line, which they finally got done, and they got it under the number that they needed to do, which wouldn't involve any of Dustin Bufflin's cap hit. Um, but there's a lot of uncertainty about that blue line. And now whether that means their cup window is closed, I guess it's hard to say. There's been some really nice surprises on the blue line through the preseason, but it's really hard to judge anything until you get down to business uh, in the 82-game regular season and see what you have. That's the biggest question about the Jets going into Thursday. All right, well, you got some cap space, and there is a certain guy in Chicago with three Stanley Cups, plays some defense, big physical guy, Brent Seabrook. Can can we interest you? (laughs) How about Keith? We could talk. We could definitely talk about that. All right, you you mentioned it a couple times. Let's get to it. This is the big story of the weekend. Uh, first, Patrick Line signs a two-year deal, $13.5 million. Then Kyle Connor gets locked up seven years, $50 million. I don't think there's going to be any 
hard feelings with Connor, but I know the line A thing got a little bit, I wouldn't say contentious, but a little bit uh, not the most comfortable thing in the world. Do you think there'll be any hard feelings left after these negotiations? Do you think this bridge deal will be his last deal in Winnipeg? Uh, you know what? I don't. And we've just heard from Patrick Liney. He got in here on the weekend and just spoke a couple hours ago before we spoke. And, you know, he, um, he certainly said all the right things. Uh, you know, hey, you know, it is a business. You know, sometimes these things take a little bit longer, but he is just incredibly excited to, to be back. And in his, uh, <laughs> in, in a way that only Patrick Liney can say, the money quote from the, uh, from the presser was, don't worry, I'll be good and I'll score a lot of goals. So, he seems to be uh, he seems to be in midseason form already before even taking to the ice with his teammates. Uh, there was the one issue of the comments that he had made to a Finnish journalist that were translated here in North America as seemingly maybe taking a bit of the shot a shot at the guys that he's played with. Um, you know, Brian Little told us afterwards that you know when Patrick heard the way that this was construed here in English, he picked up the phone and talked to Brian immediately, and it sounded like everything's good. Liney is a popular player within the Winnipeg Jets. He's a real character, um, and it seems like he gets along with pretty much everyone in the room. And, hey, they know how important he is um, to their success. I mean, he makes a power play goal, and even when things aren't going at five-on-five, he's still one of the most dangerous shooters in the entire National Hockey League. He's got a lot to work on. I mean, it was a down year, if you can call it that, with only 30 goals after 80 in his first two seasons, uh, questioning about his commitment at five-on-five. And bottom line, they've traded a first-round pick in the last two seasons at the deadline to find a center that works with Patrick Laine. Uh, Whether he ends up playing with Shifley and Wheeler up in the top line, that certainly is a possibility, or somebody else moving into that spot. It's another question, though, because with all the talent the Jets have, especially in their top six, they just did not get enough out of that second line at five on five last year. And that was a big issue down the stretch. Um, well, before the St. Louis series, where Liney was frankly one of the Jets' best players. All right, before we wrap up here, Andrew Patterson from TSN 1290. I want to get your take, uh, the out of town take on the Blackhawks. What do you see from our team this year? What do you, what do you expect uh, from an outside perspective of the Chicago Blackhawks this year? Well, you know, it's funny because, I mean, the Jets, of course, have been here since 2011, and for the first five years or so, I mean, we saw one of the great teams in all the National Hockey League more often than not come in and break the hearts of fans at Bell MTS Place. Um, and then, you know, the uh, things caught up with them. I thought the Hawks last year, when Jeremy Cullen took over, they played a game here in Winnipeg, and it was one of, I mean, it was almost a borderline disgraceful uh, performance. It seemed like there was no buy-in from the Blackhawks to their young head coach, and you really wondered where things would go from there. Um, Well, things went in a much better direction in the second half, and while, you know, there's still so much uh, experience, Stanley Cup rings, and some pretty talented young players in that organization, I think people are sleeping a little bit on Chicago. It's so easy just to look back and having missed the playoffs a couple times and saying things are over. But I think that they're going to be a team that, you know, they might not be a playoff team, but we won't be talking about the draft lottery uh, early into, the, um, early into the, the, the new year as we have been for a couple of years before in Chicago. I mean, I think it's going to count down to um, Chicago, St. Louis, the Winnipeg Jets, potentially Dallas, all battling for those last spots. It wouldn't surprise me if five playoff teams came out of the Central so I think that anybody that writes off the Blackhawks before we get going is fooling themselves. And uh, 
You know, there's a couple guys up top in Jonathan Taves and especially Patrick Kane that still have some great hockey in them. And uh, I don't think that anyone should be taking the Blackhawks lightly when we get going for the regular season. All right, Andrew Patterson from TSN 1290. Thanks so much for joining us on Locked On Blackhawks on the Locked On Podcast Network. We appreciate your time. Jay, my pleasure, and we'll have to catch up sometime during the regular season. Thanks to Andrew Patterson from TSN 1290 in Winnipeg. He is the host of Afternoon Ride and the warm-up before every Jets game. Follow him on Twitter at Hustlerama. That's at H-U-S-T-L-E-R-A-M-A. Great Jets content from him there. That's going to do it for Episode 2 of Lockdown Blackhawks. Thank you so much for joining me. The tour of the Central Division continues on Wednesday with a preview of the Nashville Predators. Look forward to that. That's going to be an interesting year. Losing P.K. Subban, adding Matt Duchesne. Really interested to see how the Predators are going to shake out this year and what should be and will be a very, very competitive Central Division. So with that, Jay Zawoski signing off for Lockdown Blackhawks on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. We'll talk to you Wednesday. Wednesday.